ladies and gentlemen, man, you ever have a show? Not a dry eye in the house. Now, the pun is intended for today. We're going to be talking to somebody about your dry eyes. Here we go. Shut up and sit down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business on social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business, business Bros. Yeah, here <laughs> we on go. It. Time to drop the heat, him. Here we go. All right, all you business pros out there, before we jump into the show, just a quick reminder to please subscribe on whichever platform it is that you're listening to us on today. Give us a like, give us a follow, subscribe, and drop a review. Help other like-minded business owners find value from our awesome guests while we rise up in those podcast rankings. We'll sincerely appreciate every single one of you for it. And if you want to be a guest on the show, we'd love to have you on to learn from you as well. Go to www.businessbros.biz to schedule your time slot, and don't forget to follow us on all our social medias at Business Bros Pod. All right, everybody, we're so excited and so honored to bring yet another incredible guest to the Business Bros Pod. I love today's guest already. Who doesn't love a good play on words? Our guest today is more than a wordsmith. He is an eye doctor specializing and passionate about helping 1 million dry eye sufferers by 2030. Now, dry eyes may happen for a myriad reasons. Maybe you've developed dry eye after LASIK. Maybe you suffer from aqueous deficiency. Whatever the reason, our guest is here today to help you. And you can bet he'll uh, that you'll only get the best <laughs> because our guest has a whole page on their website dedicated to what they believe, including integrity first, organic and natural products with fewer ingredients, the best products should win, and if you don't think you got the best, you should get your money back, and truly giving a damn. Speaking of giving, our guest has one hell of a story about giving back that won't leave a dry eye in the house. Bro stole my joke. <laughs> Joining us today from I Love out of Austin, Texas. Welcome to the show, Dr. Travis Ziegler. Hopefully no gunpowder got anybody's eyes. Yeah, <laughs> that was good. That was good. That was good. All right. Uh, I got to start off with the most obvious question. We're a business podcast. If we didn't mention the fact that your last name is Ziggler, is there any connection with Zig Ziggler? So Zig Ziggler spells it Z-I-G-L-A-R. I spell it Z-I-G-L-E-R. So no relation. But I do have a fun fact over Zig Ziggler. His real name is Hillary. Oh, I didn't know that. That's yeah. a pretty... <gasps> Yeah. All right. Dr. Travis, uh, do you prefer Dr. Travis, Dr. Ziegler, or just Travis? You can call me Travis. That's fine. Sweet. Okay, Travis. Uh, so I, I want to start off with uh, the, the basic question is a business podcast. So what is it exactly that you're selling? So we sell natural eye care products. So dry eye is it affects over 40 million people in America today. And that's what we sell is we teach people how to heal their dry eye naturally. We teach them through diet, through exercise, through hydration. But then we also sell organic products that are in the bathroom. So face washes, eye creams, sprays, things that people don't think about when they think about dry eye that cause inflammation in the body. So that's what we sell. All right. I want to know about uh, a little bit about your background, how you got into this space. People go to medical school and they specialize in all kinds of different stuff. Um, obviously, you went into into eyes. 
Um, why this venture on building a business versus being in a medical practice? Yeah, so we started in a medical practice back in 2010 and 2011 when we both graduated, my wife and I, from optometry school. We practiced for about four years in a dry eye clinic, and then we felt the entrepreneur itch. So we did the three things you're not supposed to do. We quit our jobs in Columbus, Ohio. We moved to South Carolina, and then we started two practices. So we started two separate businesses. We wanted to open a pediatric practice, which is for kids, but God had other plans, and he threw out geriatrics at us. And so we ended up seeing a lot of elderly folks, which suffer from dry eye. In the meantime, we started a business online because I was a little bored with my practices because I went from seeing five patients an hour to seeing one per hour when we were starting up a new practice. So I was bored, started an online business called I Love, and we actually started out as a sunglass company, hence why the website is I Love the Sun. And then we morphed and pivoted into a dry eye company, which is what we are today. And that pivot occurred just because we were treating so much dry eye in our, in our practice and we were selling other people's products. And so then we started coming out with our own products and then the online space took off even more and we stopped practicing about three years ago. So that's kind of my last 10 years in a nutshell. Well, and tell me more about that, uh, you know, those, those things that you weren't supposed to do. So, I mean, you, you quit your job. What are you thinking? You, 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 I'm assuming you took on a lot of uh, debt to get through medical school and, and those sorts of things. Like, walk me through that conversation you're having with your wife where you have this stable income, you're, you're working at least at a W-2 job where you know where the paycheck's coming in, and all of a sudden you're just going to like decide to uh, up and quit and do your thing. Walk me through that, and, and what, was, what was the feeling going on there? So the golden handcuffs are real. They, they're, they're as real as they can get because we were making close to $250,000 between the both of us. And this is W-2 income, you know, straight to our bank account, not even having to worry about the stress of entrepreneurship. And each winter, it was miserable in Columbus because it's winter and it's cold. And we always wanted to move south because it's warmer. And each winter went by. The first winter, we're just like, what are we doing here? We're miserable. We don't like what we're doing. Second winter came by. We didn't like it again. And then finally, that third winter hit and we still had that same inkling to go somewhere else. So we're just like, rule of threes, let's get out of here. So that's when we decided to quit our jobs. And the funny thing is, like, I was scared to death to tell my uncle and he was, he was my boss at the time. And he was the most supportive person out of everyone. So he was like, this is great. I wish I could have had the guts to move down south. But I, the furthest south I got was Columbus, Ohio. So fine by me. <laughs> why, why was it important for you to, to venture out and do your own thing? Like, you know, the, the golden handcuffs is one thing, you know, being able to move is, is another, but you could have just moved and started, you know, got a job somewhere else. I'm sure that was an option, yet you chose to go into this entrepreneurial. Why was, why was that so important to you? I think I've always been an entrepreneur. You know, I can go back to the stories of the lemonade stand. I owned a, a lawn mowing company when I was in high school and I was a partner. And so there's two of us and we had about six lawns that we mowed and we shoveled their driveways, did their leaves and everything. So that was kind of the start of my entrepreneur journey. But once an entrepreneur, you can't work for anybody else because you have ideas and they don't get implemented. And so you want to do your own thing. So that's kind of what, what pushed us to do our own thing and to get out of that, that W2 income that you know, working for somebody else. We just, just didn't like it. All right. I'm assuming that you were married at the time. I'm assuming maybe you had children at that time. Uh, what do you, what, what's going through your head as, as you go off and venture in this thing? I mean, it, did you have like cash reserves? Did you have a, a plan in place or was it like literally you just, you know, went off the deep end and, and figured it out as you go? 
So yeah, we saved up about probably 50,000 in emergency fund, which is a pretty significant amount because we needed a down payment for the practice and to buy the practice, but we got a really good deal on the practice. We literally bought two practices for about $70,000, which is absurd and unheard of. And, you know, it was a practice that was on the decline, but we just had to turn it around. And so it was a a challenge, but it was fun. Um, But yeah, we did have that emergency account in place. And then we had all of our payments in place to be able to cover for that six months. And so we knew that we, we knew it was going to work and we knew we were going to make it work. But we always said that, like, if something didn't work, we can always just come back. And there's always jobs out there available for optometry. It's just a matter of if, where you want to work. And so we chose South Carolina and we chose to do our own thing. It was the most stressful three years and it was the most rewarding three years because it put us where we are today. Well, tell me about this. I want to know the stress points, right? Because there's so many people out there, especially right now going through COVID, for example, and they may not have had Go Bucks, Ohio. There you go. OH. Uh, OH. And John John went to, to the IO. Yep. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Forgot about that. You Buckeye people. But uh, anyways... <laughs> Uh, so, so there's a lot of people out there who are making these transitions. COVID has affected their life in a way where, you know, they got used to working from home or they, they actually like being around their family and want to continue that going forward. And so they're thinking about taking this trip, but I want to make sure they're aware of what hard work is, is, uh, included in that, but also that there is that light at the end of the tunnel and it's, and it's, it's worth it. Yeah. So that, that's a great question. And when we started this journey in entrepreneurship, when we started the two practices, we were at our practices from nine to seven every single day. And so that's a 10 hour day of seeing patients, which is exhausting. But the nice thing is we were only seeing about one patient per hour because that's all our practice could handle because it was a small practice. And so in that, I, I wasn't with a patient for an hour. I was probably with them for 15 of that minutes of that hour. And so during the other 45 minutes, what we do is I would work on my business. But then at the same time, we were waking up at 6 a.m. to go to work at 9 or 10, 10 a.m. And during that, that couple hours in the morning, my wife and I were watching videos online, learning how to market online, become internet marketers, become digital marketers. And then at night when we came home, we did the same thing. At that time, we did not have kids. Um, we didn't have our first child until 2017. And you know that changed everything again. But we literally worked from 7 a.m. until about 9 p.m. when we went to bed. And we did that because we wanted the freedom that this this lifestyle has that you can get if you start your own business. And now we're to the point in our business that we've built it up. It's six years now. We've, we've been building this online business where we've developed a whole team around us. So when we go away, the team can run things. They don't need us. When we come back, it just kind of adds to the business. And so that's where we're at with both of our businesses now. Um, it's still heavily reliant on us, but it doesn't need us to function day to day. And so you will work hard at the beginning, but it does pay off. And the the key thing with it is just persistence. The more persistent you are with anything you're doing, it doesn't matter if you're starting an online business or your job. If you commit to something for a thousand days, you will see results. I always recommend a thousand days. That's what one of my mentors has told me. And that's pretty much three years. If you commit to doing something for three years, it will pay off. I love that. That's exactly what we did when we committed to the podcast. I know where you're going with this. Exactly three years, right? (laughs) And that was the whole, the same concept. It's the, uh, it's the idea of the 10,000 hours, right? You become an expert after you've progressively been doing stuff. You don't know what you don't know. Now I'm curious because you said you were spending, you know, hours in the morning learning internet marketing. There is a variety of things. You can spend all your time in Google AdWords or Facebook ads, or you can do it in content creation and video editing and podcasts. Like there's so many different things. 
what was how, how did you focus in on what you wanted to achieve and like learn that and and how many iterations of that did you probably go through before you found out what worked no oh, man it was a mess so the one thing that we focused on the only thing that we focused on was selling on amazon we learned how to sell on Amazon. And that's the one thing we focused on probably for three years. So from 2015 to 2018, and we built our Amazon presence up so much that we could then take the profits from Amazon and put it towards learning something else. So we systematized Amazon. So I have somebody that runs my Amazon PPC now, even though I consider myself an Amazon PPC expert, I have somebody else run it for me the day to day. So then we were able to focus on the next step, which was building an audience. And so number two, back in 2016, we started building a dry eye audience, which is now we've built that up to over 100,000 followers, which is crazy because you think about like that many people have dry eye. Yes, 40 million in America, like I said earlier. So we have about 100,000 people that follow us, probably actually 150,000 around there that follow us online on YouTube and our Facebook group, the Dry Eye Syndrome Support Community on YouTube, um, the Dry Eye Show, and then our email list. And so we focused on one thing first, Amazon PPC, got really good at that, taught somebody else to take it over. Now we do audience building. We're really good at that now. And somebody else automates that for us on our team and they run it the day to day. And then we just focus on content like you guys are doing right here. So we have the podcast, the YouTube channel. We go live in our Facebook group, exactly what you guys are doing right here. And then you guys are going to take this video and shoot it out to iTunes to a podcast. We do the exact same thing. And so focus on one thing first and then go on to the next one. What I recommend for people now is Amazon is a little bit different now than it was when I started is focus on building an audience first. Like you guys have this, this podcast and you guys could come out with anything you really wanted because you have this loyal following and they'll probably buy whatever you come out with. And so, or about 10% of them will, and that can help propel a product or a service or whatever you guys are trying to sell. I love that. That's great practical advice. Cause the, and the, the truth of the matter is you become a practitioner before you systematize things. You got to know what you're doing mm -hmm. so you can teach somebody else to know to, so that they know what they're doing. <clears throat> when you got into uh, building the audience space, uh, you know, everybody has red eye from the, from the little kid who gets like a, you know, pink eye, for example, or, you know, stuff in his eyes or the, the, the college stoner all the way up to the elderly person who's, uh, you know, having, uh, you know, diabetic issues or, or stuff going on in their eyes. Like, how did you identify which target audience you were going to focus on to grow? Yeah. So we focused on what we saw in our practice, which was the postmenopausal female dry eye client. So it's a very specific audience. It allowed us to narrow our targeting for ads down to just that 45 plus female that's suffering from menopause. And so that is what we focus on. We have videos and blogs on dry eye after LASIK and younger generation LAS or dry eye, but that's not our focus target audience because we wanted to serve that one person and focus all of our efforts around that. And once we started building that audience up, they pretty much wrote our blog post for us because they'd ask us questions and then we'd respond with a video and then we'd write a blog post around it. And so the content came organically by building a Facebook group where they asked us questions over and over and over again. So it actually became pretty easy to do all of this. So that that's amazing, by the way. That's very, very niche. Like, you know, I mean, when people talk about that ideal client, you're, what you're describing is perfect because you're going after one demographic. But when you're building the audience, it doesn't mean that that's the only person that comes aboard. How valuable did you find the fact that you were laser focused, but then other people with similar 
types of problems kind of started to gravitate to you? And, and like, at what point did you see a tipping point where now you had some momentum as far as building an audience? Yeah. So a good example of this is RX bar, just to kind of go off of mine for a little bit. RX bar is for CrossFitters. That's what it was made for. RX bar was made for people that do CrossFit. They didn't care about anything else, but what happened as a result of the CrossFitters eating it, everybody started eating it. Kellogg's bought them for $600 million. And so that's a great example of go really niche down and then it will kind of take off to everybody else. So 95% of our customers are women over the age of 45. And now what we're trying to do to grow even faster is how do we market now to the rest of the dry eye sufferers? Like we can still just focus on what we're doing, but if we want to expand even more, we need to start focusing on that other side. But yeah, you're right. People that you wouldn't suspect also jump on board because when the products work, the products work and women tend to spread the word of good products more than men do. And so that's why we focus on that female side of dry eye first. Men don't seem to complain about dry eye as much just because we don't know. We may not complain as much to our doctors or we may not complain as much online. And so that's why we went after women too, because they tend to express their emotions, express their feelings a little bit more so we can get more out of them, get more information out of them, and then just serve them a lot better as a result of getting that information. Where's your company today? Like in the grand scheme of things, I'm, I imagine you you have this idea of where you want to go in life, where you want your company to go. Um, can you kind of give me a timeline of you know where you were, where you are, and where you plan on going? So the dry eye side started in June of 2017, and we sold our first prop bottle of Hydrate Linen Lash Cleanser. That's what this is right here. This is our, our main hero product. Every day we wake up, how can we sell more of this? Um, this took up, this is still our bestseller and it took off as a result of our biggest, going after our biggest competitor and they increased their price from $30 to $300. So we took advantage of that, came out with our product and attacked that. Um, not in a malicious way. We still love our competitor's product. That was the number one product on the market for years. It probably still is. But now we're coming in number two because we're a lower cost alternative. They've since decreased their price to $30, but that was an aside. Let me let me re refocus again. So June of 2017, we launched our first product. We gradually built it up. We did about a million in the first year because we built the audience up for a year before that. And then we did about 2.5 the next year, 3.2. And then this last year, we did about four. We're on pace to do about six this year because the growth is starting to happen a little bit more organically and not just from advertising. But... We're only about, I would say, 5 to 6% of where we want to be. So we're serving anywhere from 50 to 75,000 customers right now. We have about 150,000 followers, but turning those into customers is a whole different ballgame. Mm -hmm. And so 50 to 75,000 paying customers right now. Um, Amazon doesn't give us great data, but that's just kind of judging by our email list, how many website orders we get and how many Amazon orders we get. Um, but we don't get as much repeat customer data. And our goal is we think that we'll hit 20 to 25 million by 2023, the end of 2023. And we're doing that with strategic partnerships now. So we feel like we've maxed out the Amazon channel with our products. So the only thing we could do now is come out with more products or go to direct consumer for our Shopify store or easier, go after people that already have this audience and they're already serving that audience, JV with them to then expand even faster. How are you picking uh, strategic partners? So you can go a number of different routes, whether you go to retail locations or you go into individual optometry places. How are you picking specific strategic partners to help you grow? So retail is not was on our game plan last year. COVID hit. We kind of took that off the game plan. 
um, just because we'll focus back online because growth online is just at an exponential rate right now. We've grown in the last year, 10 years. So the market was gradually increasing and then COVID hit and it went like this online. And so we weren't expecting that. So online's our main focus. And then we were trying to find a strategic partner. Our goal was always to sell to like, or to merge or JV with a pharmaceutical company. And so a pharmaceutical company is already in all the doctor's offices. They can plug our product into their system. They already have the sales force and then it, it just goes. And so you find that sales force that's already promoting products that are similar to yours, but not like yours, not a competitor of yours. And then you give it to them, give them a good commission. And they already are in these doctor's offices. They already have trust. And then you let them sell your product to these wholesale doctors. And then as a result of the doctors selling it in their office, we end up, of course, making more sales because we're selling to the doctors. But then what happens is even online sales increase in that area too. So I want to know about your, your emotional state. So you went from 1.5, million, 4 million. You're talking about your online growth, hockey stick in the what does that feel like? Uh, you know, what are you, what are you going through emotionally? Did you come from money and and now you're in a position where you are continuing that legacy or, do you, or did you have like a struggle and now you're in a different, uh, different position in life? So I never had that like entrepreneur story that was like miserable or it never had that like hit rock bottom moment. And it could be just the way I operate. I just don't feel that, but I came from a very middle-class family. Um, my, my dad's been a car salesman for 50 one years at the same dealership. So he taught me everything I know about loyalty, about sales, about really treating the customer well and serving them. And then everything else will follow suit. So just watching him work in his space, he doesn't try to sell you a car. He actually just tries to get to know what you need, which it's funny because we just went car shopping and we went to the Tesla dealership and they were just like, so what do you need this for? And I told him what I needed it for. We're, we have a bigger family, so we need a bigger car. And then they're like, okay, what are, what's the biggest reason you're not buying this? And it was because the range anxiety. And they answered, they, they pretty much debunked all my limited beliefs to buying a Tesla. I went to a Toyota dealership to look at the RAV4 hybrid. And literally all it was was about, like we said, we wanted this one. And it was around $55,000. And all they did is try to talk us down in price. And I was <laughs> like, this isn't what we wanted. We wanted this. And so he taught me how to listen. So that's kind of the working class kind of mentality that I came from. And, you know, I went and became a doctor just because my, my parents one day said, why don't you think about becoming an optometrist? And I was like, okay. So I knew I wanted to go to med school. Med school was another 12 years. Optometry school is only another four years. So I went into optometry school and did that. Um, what was the rest of your question? I'm sorry. I just like, yeah, yeah. I, 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 no, that's great. That's great. I mean, that gives me a little bit of background. I want to know how you're feeling with that oh, hockey yeah, stick. Yeah. So, so you came from a middle-class family and now all of a sudden your company's in the four, $4 million revenue marker. Like how has that affected your life? How do you feel about that? Yeah. So the funny thing is like our revenue has always been increasing and then we stopped focusing on what we believed in. So we stopped focusing on Amazon. We stopped focusing on building the customer or serving the customer. We just try to focus on direct sales. We tried to get into a sales mode because everybody was telling me to do that. And our revenue dropped from 3.8 to 3.2 and our profit went to 2% margin. And mm. so that was the worst year of my life. That was 2019, 2020. We fired our whole direct to consumer team, went back to focusing on Amazon and went back to serving the audience. And it's amazing because our profit went up 20%. Our revenue went from 2% margin to 15% margin. And so a significant increase. And then we're on that same trajectory this year because we're all we're doing is focusing on what we're good at, which is the Amazon side of things 
and serving our customer. But mentally, you have to work on it every single day because there's always going to be people there that you think there's always going to be people out there that don't think they deserve this kind of money. And if you have a bigger why for the money, then you do deserve it and you deserve every ounce of it because my wife and I's mission in life is to help heal the 1 billion people, B, billion with a B, that are blind due to lack of glasses. Glasses that you and I can pick up at the drugstore or from an optometrist or an ophthalmologist. Very easy for us to just go out and grab them, get them off the shelf for a dollar, put them on. People are blind in third world countries because they can't access reading glasses. And so there's 1 billion that are like that. So we go on three mission trips a year. So every single dollar that we're trying to make is to get us free so we can focus on that. And we love focusing on the dry eye person right now because that's we love serving them. We love seeing the results and the testimonials. But our end mission in life is to help that 1 billion solve that glasses problem. So having that bigger why, it doesn't, it doesn't limit my mind to saying I don't deserve to make this much money because the more money I make, the more people I'm going to help. Now, when you're using that money for selfish reasons, like to buy a bigger house and car, you can do that. That's fine. But just make sure you're you're using that money for impact as well, because the impact that you're making on somebody is going to lead to more happiness. I, I meet entrepreneurs that are doing more than me that are miserable because all they're focused on is themselves. They're focused on partying, drinking, cars, and houses. And it's just like, there's more to life than that. Like that doesn't even look appealing to me anymore. Well, some of it does, but not all of it. And we're focused on service and that's what makes my mental my, my mental state stay stable and that's why we do what we do and that's why we deserve every dollar that we make because we're serving somebody else we're helping change the lives of people in third world countries but even here in the US and pretty much everyone that comes across us we try to give an impact to so you know when you when you talk about having that bigger purpose and and understanding your why, I I love the 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 way it, it becomes part of your life and it changes who you are as an individual. You hear this over and over again. People are, you know, who have a lot of money will tell you things like you know that's just going to be an accelerant to the things that are already flawed in your life. To to the to the you know it's it's not actually a good thing if you're not a good person. Uh, you've gone through a lot of processes. If you, I mean, you seem pretty stable all the way through, but if you can go back and tell your younger version of yourself where you are today, what kind of advice would you give that version of yourself to better prepare them to, to be in the position where you are? So my rock bottom moment was in the end of 2019. And at the end of 2019, I was investing, we invested everything we'd made in with a friend and his business was doing awesome. We invested with him when he was doing about 5 million a year. So we got in really early. And in 2019, he did $50 million. During that transition, when we first invested with him in 2017 or 16 till 2019, he became obsessed with growth and he turned it into a Ponzi scheme. Mm. And so he was taking investors' money to pay back previous investors. And it was a real business when we invested. He turned it into a Ponzi scheme. What that lesson taught me and what I would tell myself going back four years ago or even earlier is don't let greed drive your life because we all have a sense of greed. We all have that, that desire, that want for more, whether it be because we want more status or we want to look more attractive, or we just want more money to be able to, you know, for status. And that taught me that, well, number one, don't put your eggs in one basket, but 
when greed is very strong and he was guaranteeing 20 guaranteeing yes bad word when it comes to investment mm -hmm. 20% return on money and he paid it every single month every single month it came back and so why not give him more money and we got addicted to that instead of you know diversifying our investments and in 2019 SEC got involved and shut the whole thing down and we lost everything and so that was my rock bottom moment and that's when pretty much greed got taken away and that was when we we had a couple other life altering moments in that life or i won't get into that because they're a little more personal and then the next month we moved to austin and talked texas and then the next month i got shingles and then the next month we had covid <laughs> so five months of rock bottom for me but it helped me realize the important things in life like i was chasing greed and I was obsessed with just accumulating more and more cash flow. And it became this, this addiction. So I kept giving my, my friend more money, but yet it turned into a Ponzi scheme. So that was like my lesson was greed. And then just really focusing on that life is just too short. We had a death in our family, our direct family. And right before that happened, literally three weeks before that happened. And it just made me realize how short life was. And I was running six businesses at that time. I literally quit four of them and just focus on the two that I love now. I love, and then our agency. And that's all I do. So when people come at me with other opportunities, I say no, because it's easy for me to say no, because it it's not something I want anymore. I want to focus on living my best life, not just through my business, but through my kids and my wife and traveling and doing all that. So, you know, focusing on what you love to do will bring you more money than focusing on the money itself. Mm, such powerful words, man. You've shared so much with us today. Uh, I want to make sure that people are aware of how they can get a hold of you. So do me a favor. I'm going to, uh, we're going to put your stuff back on the screen here in a second. Uh, let people know, especially our listening audience who's not watching the video feed. How can they get a hold of you? Yeah. So our, our main website, if you have dry eye, it's I love the sun.com, but there's a special website called free hydrate and you can get a bottle of our hydrate lid and lash cleanser for free. You just pay shipping. It's our free plus shipping funnel. I recommend going through that if you're a marketer just to, to check out how we do it. So you'll see we have upsells on the beginning. So that's freehydrate.com. And then we have post-purchase upsells and then you'll get in our email sequence to see how we do that as well. Um, we email the crap out of you. So just be prepared for that. And then we do have an Amazon PPC agency. So if you sell on Amazon, we have a free course, we have a paid course and we have an agency. And so that's available at Profitable pineapple.com. So profitablepineapple.com and get a free Amazon PPC course. Or if you're doing 25,000 or more, consider the paid option as well. All right, ladies and gents, you heard it. Stay focused, right? And I'm not talking about just with the eyes, right? I'm talking about focused in your business. It's a trap. Everything else that's going on around you is a trap. I'm not saying you can't be good at it. All I'm saying is if you're not laser focused, you fall prey to all the other things that are happening. Dr. Travis here explained it to us exactly what happened. And he's not the only one to go through that stuff. I do. I, it happens to me all the time. Learn to say no. No is a powerful word. It's not just being told to you when you're trying to make a sale. It's powerful if you use it yourself just to focus your attention on what it is that you need to be successful. Dr. Travis, thank you very much for being on the program today. Really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right, ladies and gents, it is Monday, but we'll see you again manana. Peace out, y'all. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? 
Hernan, the business bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.